the city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Important medical note. If this episode causes uncontrollable laughter, infect your friends. I'm Joe Fulcher. I got a bad case of Degrassi Jr. hives. I'm Kevin Leeson. Say what you want about the dancing plague of 1518. Still better than twerking. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. The Latin massa means kneaded dough or lump or that which adheres together like dough. Thank God I thought you were going to go totally racist on that for a second. And Latin hystericus means of the womb, originally defined as a neurotic condition peculiar to women and thought to be caused by a dysfunction of the uterus. Mm. Yeah, and it somehow led in the Victorian area to hand jobs for ladies. Right. There were yes. doctors who would specialize in massaging yeah. of the uterus. Because you're oh, hysterical. Yes. Yeah. Nothing a quick massage of the uh, yeah. nether region wouldn't, uh, wouldn't cure. Do you think ladies would just go, oh my God, I'm so flustered. I need a doctor right away. <laughs> I need my it's hysteria just treatment. Was morning. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's the dead giveaway is the fainting spell followed by the like, you know, quickly furtivized. Did anybody see it? Did anybody see it? <laughs> yeah. So that gives us mass hysteria. All right. Also called collective hysteria, group hysteria. A collective obsessional behavior and mast psychogenic illness. Psychogenic, psychogenic yep. illness. Psychogenic well, doesn't sound like a real word. Yeah. Mass psychogenic illness definitely sounds like something that the X Men would catch. Hmm. Right? Okay. Mm hmm. Because of. Uh, Professor X would like beam it out to them accidentally. Yeah, he's got. Well, it would be both psychic and genetic. Psychogenic. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. He's got like the thought virus of some kind. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And he manipulates their DNA to mm-hmm. give them special mutant powers. In sociology and psychology, it refers to collective delusions of threats to society that spread rapidly through rumors and fear. In medicine, the term is used to describe the spontaneous manifestation of the same or similar hysterical physical symptoms. By more than one person, and that's what we'll be talking about. Okay. And by hysterical, we don't just mean, oh my God, like the, what you would think of as hysteria, right? Yeah. It actually has like a medical meaning. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Can you uh, solve it with those uh, electrical paddles? Electrical paddles. Yeah, they're clear, kuchunk. Yes, you can solve it with <laughs> yeah, that. that was, yeah. <laughs> with a high enough voltage. Uh-huh. <laughs> or amperage, I All guess. Right. Good times. Uh, Nothing ma- electricity can't solve. Mass psychogenic illness, or MPI, causes symptoms of disease, though there is no organic cause. Ah, so it's like a psychosomatic thing. Mm. You believe you have an illness, so you get an illness. Mass hysteria typically begins when an individual becomes ill or hysterical during a period of stress. After this initial individual shows symptoms, others begin to manifest similar symptoms, including mm. headaches, okay, dizziness or lightheadedness, All right. nausea. Mm-hmm. Abdominal cramps. Ooh, I don't like those. Or pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, cough, fatigue, drowsiness, weakness, sore or burning throat, hyperventilation or difficulty breathing. That's not good. Oh. Mm. Watery or irritated eyes, chest tightness and chest pain, inability to concentrate, and trouble thinking. And these are all symptoms that display in a percentage of the people, and it looks like the percentage is going down. Yeah, so the, the highest is headache. And uh, we'll end with vomiting, tingling, numbness, or paralysis, anxiety, or nervousness, diarrhea, mm. trouble with vision, mm-hmm. rash, okay, loss, loss of consciousness, or syncope, uh-huh. recall, yeah, uh, and itching, itching in just three percent cases. Uh, but you've missed one. You missed yawning. You know when somebody yawns, then right. you see them yawn, and then you yawn right after. That's not mass hysteria. That's no? that's mass slack area. Okay, mm. <laughs> slackeria. That's a uh, that's the religion. I don't practice slackeria. I don't got no crystal ball. There you go. So we will do a separate episode on panics. Oh my god, when? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so because mass hysteria, as we've said, is a condition affecting a group of persons characterized by excitement or anxiety, irrational behavior, beliefs, or inexplicable symptoms of illness. Okay. Whereas panics is a sudden overwhelming fear with or without cause that produces hysterical or irrational behavior, and that often spreads quickly through a group of persons or animals. 
See, I think the the chief difference is I can imagine an exclamation point after panics and mass hysteria, not so much. Right. Like it's not mass hysteria. It's but you get panics. Sure. Right. I'm sticking to it. So moral panics might include some persecutions of individuals or groups, such as the Red Scare, anti-Semitic pogroms, uh, Stalinist purges, witch hunts, mm-hmm. McCarthyism, things of that nature, the Satanic Panic of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. It, it, it is alliterative, so you know that's my favorite of all the panics. So we won't be talking about any of that stuff I, okay. in this episode. We won't Shelf be talking on. about Koro Syndrome, which we talked about on Psychosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we won't be talking about Salem Witch Trials, which will probably be its own episode at some point. Are uh, we going to spend the rest of the episode talking about what we're not going to talk about? No. Okay. We're going to talk about... <laughs> that, was, that was a long list of things not to talk about. I'm not going to talk about Kevin not talking about things. All right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Aha. Circular logic. We're going to talk about, from 1962, mm. in the history, mm-hmm. the June bug epidemic. Okay. All right. In 1962, a mysterious disease broke out in a dressmaking department of a U.S. textile factory. The symptoms included numbness, nausea, dizziness, and vomiting. Okay. Word of a bug in the factory that would bite its victims and develop the above symptoms quickly spread. Soon, 62 employees developed this mysterious illness. 62 in 1962? Yeah. That's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, that's... I couldn't that is normally. exactly the definition of a coincidence. Uh-huh, conspiracy. N- no, that's not what coincidence means. Coincispiracy. Okay. Coincispiracy? Yeah. Uh, some of whom were hospitalized. The news media reported on the case. After research by company physicians and experts from the U.S. Public Health Service Communicable Disease Center... Okay. CDC. Mm-hmm. It was concluded that the case was one of mass hysteria. While the researchers believed some workers were bitten by the bug, anxiety was likely the cause of the symptoms. So there actually was a bug that would bite you and make you sick. But then when word got out that there was a bug that would bite you and make you sick, all sorts of other people got sick yeah. without having been bitten. Yes. Although no evidence was ever found for a bug which could cause the above flu-like symptoms. Okay, right. so there Nor was, did all workers demonstrate So bites. it could be that, that people were bitten, but that didn't actually give them the symptoms. They just, they thought that- They went, I got bit by a bug. Now I feel sick. Yes. It was the bug. And yeah. it's exactly because the bug didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. If it had been a bug that had bit you and you'd gotten like a swelling and a rash, you'd be like, oh, that's what the bug did. Got it. And then you get bitten and nothing happens. <gasps> what the- Something well, has to happen. I, I better feel, make up something happening. I feel like a bug named a June bug either has to do one of two things. Yeah. Okay. It either has to bite you and do something horrible, right. which makes its cutesy name kind of ironic. I see. Right? Or or it shouldn't bite you at all because it's too cutesy. It's like a ladybug, right? You know, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. it's right. the mass hysteria it's, part is that no one ever gets bitten by a June it, bug. It does have a name that mostly belongs to ants. Ant June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you meant ants as in no, for I, <laughs> the little the bugs ant. <laughs> yes, those two. Most, right. most uh, people don't know this. You're learning this on caustic soda. Most ants are named June. Yeah, the insects, right. Interesting. Know. Right. Yeah, Interesting. Uh, women are June. Uh, female ants are June. Male ants are July. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also in 1962, in Tanzania, Tanzania. I prefer the term Tanzania. Sure. Yeah. I've got a bad case of Tanzania. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm waiting for the Tanzanian devil. The Tanganyika laughter epidemic <laughs> at a mission-run boarding school for girls in Kashasha mm-hmm. on the west coast of Lake Victoria in the modern nation of Tanzania near the border of Kenya. Uh-huh. Now you picture that in your mind. You know where it is geographically. Yep, yeah, I generally know. It is possible that at the start of the incident, a joke was told and that this joke triggered a small group of students to start laughing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That happens from time to time. That does happen. Full of milkmen. Milk some, Some of, of whom, whom are, are very old. Okay. The laughter spread haphazardly throughout the school, affecting 95 of the 159 pupils aged 12 to 18. Uh-huh. Symptoms lasted for from a few hours to 16 days in those affected. What? So, hold on. It's an all-girls school of varying ages, and some of these girls laughed nonstop for 16 days. Yes. The teaching Ugh. staff were not affected, but reported that students were unable to concentrate on their lessons. Mm-hmm. The school from which the epidemic sprang was shut down. Oh, uh, for good? Uh, I don't think uh, so. For 16 days. <laughs> yeah. The children and parents transmitted it to the surrounding area. 
Listen, if you don't stop laughing, we're going to close the school down for yeah, a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not funny. Other schools, Kashasha itself, and another village comprising thousands of people were all affected to some degree. Six to 18 months after it started, the phenomenon died off. The following symptoms were reported on an equally massive scale as the reports of the laughter itself. So there's laughter, but there was also pain, mm-hmm. uh-huh. fainting, yeah. respiratory problems, obviously, rashes, yep. and attacks of crying. Here's what I want to know. So the, 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 did the people who caught it, did they have to hear the original joke or did they just have to rub up against somebody who was laughing? I think they just had to be around the laugh. Well, that laughter is infectious. Uh, they do say that. They that is a saying. Say, yeah. That is a saying. I guess this is where it is this literally is like, true. Uh, yeah, this is uh, how many months did I say it was? Six, Six to 18 months. Yeah. I, I think all of these symptoms tie together to tell me that somebody watched an Adam Sandler movie. Ah, Inexplicable yes. laughing uh-huh. combined with pain, fainting, respiratory problems, rashes, and attacks of crying. Got it. And Got and it. on top of it, you're like, why are they laughing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, that's how you know it's a You did get a rash when you watched that Adam Sandler movie where he was the son of the devil. I got a the, rash and, on my and soul. And the pizza and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, not the pizza, the chicken. The chicken. chicken I'm not, let's the not mention, oh, yeah, okay. is the shiznit. I'm not going to mention the name of the company. because. Okay. <laughs> 1983, the West Bank fainting epidemic. Uh-huh. The first fainting spells were on March 21st, 1983 in the West Bank town of Araba under Israeli rule when a schoolgirl ran to a window coughing and complained of breathing difficulties. Okay. All right. Within hours, six other students complained of the same symptoms. Panic spread to other classes. Israeli and Palestinian doctors on investigating are also reported to have detected a nauseating odor in the school. Mm-hmm. All right. So okay. this, this one I kind of understand more than the laughing one because yeah. this one... You know, you're in the West Bank. Yeah. I mean, somebody could be dropping gas on you at any moment. You know, missiles could fly. Like, you're in constant fear. There yeah. could be a gas attack in this room at any moment. <laughs> I'm not saying what I have for breakfast, but it's possible. <laughs> Cases of vomiting and complaints of blurred vision were also reported. Schoolgirls fell sick. Some fainted. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, the girls were in different classrooms. No medical cause for the complaints were found. Some female Israeli soldiers who escorted the girls came down with the same symptoms. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The school in Arabo where the epidemic began saw 32 girls affected. Over the next two weeks, 57 Palestinian girls complained of similar symptoms at a school in the city of Jenin. 37 at Tokaram, 310 in Hebron and other towns, with 943 people eventually hospitalized <laughs> in the West Bank, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv. Israeli military authorities in the West Bank closed Palestinian schools for 20 days during the epidemic. So yeah, (laughs) if you guys, listen, if you want to get out of school, just fake a mass hysteria laughing spell. That's what, if we've taught you anything from this episode. Uh Uh-huh. Just please stay home and listen to Caustic Soda so you're learning something. Uh, Israel was accused of using chemical warfare to sterilize West Bank women, while IDF sources speculated that a toxic substance had been employed by Palestinian militants to stir up unrest. Okay. So, of course, everybody's pointing fingers at Right, yeah. It's your fault. Your fault. Your fault. Your fault. The CDC investigated and reported that the West Bank epidemic was triggered either by psychological factors or, more probably, by the odor of low subtopic concentrations of H2S gas escaping from a latrine at the school. I thought for one second you were going to say H2O. I thought for one (laughs) H2O gas. Oh, (laughs) oh, this water vapor is making me laugh. Subsequent propagation of the outbreak was mediated by psychological factors, occurred against a background of anxiety and stress, uh-huh. and may have been facilitated by newspaper and radio reports that described the symptoms in detail and suggested strongly that a toxic gas was the cause. So you hear mm. there the might news. be a gas and it's causing these symptoms, Got and then it. you smell something a little funny and your yeah. brain goes, that might be that gas, you should probably have those symptoms. I have shortness of breath. Yep. Oh my God, what's happening to me? Uh, burning eyeballs, uh, you know, um, sensitive nipples. Uh, yeah. uh, what else? Uh, the hairy ass crack. Right? Oh my uh, God. These are all things that I suffer from. On We've a all got basis. that. Yeah. No evidence was encountered to indicate that patients had deliberately or consciously fabricated their symptoms. Yeah. A Palestinian health official said that while 20% of the early cases may have been caused by the inhalation of some kind of gas, the remaining 80% were psychosomatic. All right. So, so. this is just, uh, yeah, again, it feels like, you know, you're, you're, body or your brain going, okay, I might have this thing those other people have, and if I do, I want people to know. Mm-hmm. So it makes you have the symptoms. Yeah, we haven't even gotten into what the perceived cause of this might be. So you're asking how and why does it happen, scientifically speaking? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know. Well, I mean, evidence, there's strong evidence to suggest that it happens. 
Well, Assistant Clinical Professor of Preventative Medicine at the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine, Timothy Jones. Good old Tim Jones. Mm. Tim Joe, I call yep. him. Uh-huh. Reported, TJ. TJ. <laughs> reported in the 1999 incident of hysteria in Belgium following soft drink consumption okay. in five secondary schools. Oh, and that there was a mass burping hysteria? Uh, it was actually, uh, well, burping is normal. Oh, okay. But uh, there was headache, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and trembling from the oh. consumption of Coca-Cola Fanta. Oh, I was going to suggest maybe, Fanta. It was, maybe it was Jolt Cola, because that was kind of, <laughs> that's normal for that one, too. Female gender were associated with the illness, especially. Uh, the Belgian Poisoning Call Center recorded over 1,400 telephone calls. 55% were complaints related to consumption of Coca-Cola soft drinks, and 45% of the callers asked for information about the quality of the soft drinks. Mm. The Coca-Cola company announced the chemical analysis showed no concentration of any substance that could co- have caused any toxicity. Still, Coca-Cola withdrew 15 million crates of its soft drinks across Ugh. Belgium, France, and Luxembourg. Burb. Luxembourg. The burbs of Luxembourg. Uh, yeah, yeah. Temporarily closed three of its factories in Europe. I wonder if they withdrew them, will withdraw them, pulled them back, put them into storage for a bit, and a month later put them all back out. Just went, don't, oh, yeah. don't tell anybody it's the same and nothing will happen. Watch. A study commissioned by the Belgian Ministry of Public Health determined that an association was observed between consumption of regular Coca-Cola and illness in school A. This is the first school. Okay. Mm. School, school A, like school, school patient zero. Yeah. Exposure to carbonyl sulfide and hydrogen sulfide could explain the observed symptoms, particularly in early cases. Nonetheless, classic factors of mass sociogenic illness were present and could explain the majority of the later cases. So it seems like there are, uh, there seem to be a handful of people who might actually be affected by something. Yes. And then everybody sees them suffering and then go, oh, I've got to have the same thing. Yeah. So this is kind of like... Gotta have it. Gotta if, catch them all. If you see somebody scratching and you're just like, oh, I feel itchy now. I think I got bit. Yeah. Oh, now I'm itchy. Yeah. yeah. So... If you see me being awesome, then you think to yourself, oh, maybe I've got the maybe awesome. I'm awesome too. If Kevin's got it. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I slept in the same places that Kevin slept. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope not. So uh, Timothy <laughs> Jones... Poor girl. <laughs> so Timothy Jones says, Outbreaks of psychogenic illness are likely to be more common than is currently appreciated, Mm -hmm. and many go unrecognized. Jones recommends that physicians treating such problems attempt to separate persons with illness associated with the outbreak, conduct tests to rule out other causes, monitor and provide oxygen for hyperventilation, attempt to minimize the individual's anxiety, notify public health authorities, and seek to assure patients that while their symptoms are real... Rumors and reports of suspected causes are not equivalent to confirmed results. Okay. Aside from their medical interest, such epidemics, particularly those from past centuries, are of immense historical value. Mm-hmm. Immense historical value. Immense. Okay. How so? Uh, well, that gets us into the dancing plague. Oh, this sounds intriguing. Or plaguing. He says the dancing plague tells us much about the extraordinary supernaturalism of late medieval people, but it also reveals the extremes to which fear and irrationality could lead us. Few events, in my view, so clearly show the extraordinary potentials of the human mind, this expert was heard to say. Ah, okay. So, 1518, Strasbourg, France, the dancing plague. Okay, all right. Or the dancing plague, if you want to go to the dancing, the dancing plague. You know, there's a brand of beer here that's uh, called 1518 Lager. Do you think it's got something to do with Ooh, it? Oh, does it make you dance? Oftentimes, I, actually, if you have enough of it. I don't think I've ever seen Kevin dance sober. Uh-huh. I don't In, think I've ever seen Kevin sober. <laughs> <laughs> In July, 1518, uh-huh. a woman named Frau Trophia. Ooh. Stepped into a narrow street. Was she a trophy wife? Is that, does that mean trophy wife Tro- in German? Trophia, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Frau Trophia, uh, trophy woman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stepped into a narrow street and began a fervent dancing vigil. Okay. That's how it's described. All right. Uh-huh. That lasted between four and six days. Wow. By the end of the week, 34 others had joined her, and within a month, the crowd of dancing, hopping, and leaping individuals had swelled to 400. This explains that scene from Ferris Bueller. Dancing in the street. Dancing in the street. It's a very sad song when you realize what it's actually about. Yeah, that song is about the 1518 dancing plague. That's right. Uh, So she danced for four to six days nonstop. Is this like basically the dancing equivalent of like standing in a street corner looking up and then like within five minutes, like 10 people are standing around you looking up? I think maybe, yeah. I guess so. Okay. All right. 
Now, what was the dance? Was it like Michael Jackson's Thriller? Were they all synchronized together? Oh, yeah, line dance. By summer's end, dozens in the Alsatian city had died of heart attacks, strokes, and sheer exhaustion due to nonstop dancing. That's why I don't dance anymore. <laughs> maybe you risk, you'll die. You, risk, you risk too much. Maybe this was the first go round of the Macarena, and it was like lost in antiquity. Now it's back because it was banned. I don't think enough people are dying from the Macarena. <laughs> this, is, this is the evolution. No, it's the safe evolution of the Macarena. This one was way too viral and killed people, and now we've got the slightly less viral Macarena. Or maybe the chicken dance still there being performed go. at yeah. weddings everywhere. For centuries, this bizarre event known. I'd various- rather I'd rather die than continue dancing the chicken dance. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. (laughs) For centuries, this bizarre event, known variously as the Dancing Plague or Epidemic of 1518, has stumped scientists attempting to find a cause for the mindless, intense, and ultimately deadly dance. Michigan State University professor John Waller, author of A Time to Dance, A Time to Die, (laughs) the extraordinary story of the Dancing Plague of 1518. Wow. You know what the thing is? He is so proud of that title. I guarantee you he is so proud of it. And it's it's maybe a little melodramatic. Studied the illness at length. Maybe. (laughs) Historical records documenting the dancing deaths, such as physician notes. Cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council, they all exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. These people were not just trembling, shaking, or convulsing, although they were entranced. Their arms and legs were moving as if they were purposely dancing. Uh, other experts at the time believed the most likely explanation was ergot, a mold that grows on the stalks of damp rye. Mm-hmm. When consumed unknowingly in bread, the mold can trigger violent convulsion and delusions. But not, Waller says, coordinated movements that last for days. Yeah. yeah. There's no evidence that the dancers wanted to dance. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, they expressed fear and desperation, according to the written accounts. Oh, like, <laughs> I, 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 like help oh me. Oh, my God, I want to stop dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but I look good. <laughs> Hey, what would have happened if you just like lassoed them like Wonder Woman style? Like, oh, just you know, would they would they just wriggle around like a worm? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing the worm now because that's the only dance I can do. We would have invented break dancing a lot earlier. That's right. Yeah. Throw down some cardboard in 1518. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, a series of famines resulting from bitter cold winters, scorching summers, sudden crop frosts, and terrifying hailstorms mm-hmm. preceded. The maniacal dancing. Okay. Okay. So it was an evil dancing demon, and that was uh, ushering in his uh, coming. Waves of deaths followed from malnutrition. People who survived were forced to slaughter all their farm animals, secure loans, and finally take to the streets begging. Smallpox, syphilis, leprosy, and even a new disease known as English sweating sickness swept oh. through the area. Well, what is this sweating going on? We're not used to moving ourselves this much. Good, very good. A Christian church legend was that if anyone provoked the wrath of St. Vitus, a Sicilian martyred in 303 AD, he would send down plagues of compulsive dancing. Oh, he's such a saint. Yeah. Waller therefore believes a phenomenon known as mass psychogenic illness, a form of mass hysteria, usually preceded by intolerable levels of psychological distress, caused the dancing epidemic. Right, right. So then you had your little cardboard sign out, you know, you're begging for change, and you got the whole, like, we'll dance for dinner. And then somebody said, all right, we got to dance for six days. <laughs> Is that what you would do? And then, you know, I mean, I might dance for six days if I had to, but I kind of like dancing. So, yeah. At least seven other outbreaks of the dancing epidemic occurred in medieval Europe, mostly in the areas surrounding Strasbourg. Right. Mm-hmm. A major outbreak also occurred in Madagascar in the 1840s, according to medical reports that described people dancing wildly in a state of trance, convinced they were possessed by spirits. I don't see that as being something that would pick up, at least in uh, North America these days. You would just see somebody dancing in the streets and be like, oh, that's a mentally ill person. The Harlem Shuffle. And you wouldn't uh, wouldn't really identify with them and then join in. You'd just kind of look the other way and keep walking. Isn't this what the Harlem Shake is? Has anyone died from it? Do you get the rash? Do you get the nausea? It's probably Probably because... Everybody who's in the middle of a giant Harlem Shake probably has a rash. (laughs) <laughs> it's just not in the place we expected yeah. to be. Probably helped spread STDs. Mm-hmm. 1994, Riverside, California. Dateline. Gloria Ramirez, a woman Ramirez. dubbed... <laughs> a woman dubbed the Toxic Lady. Mm. 
uh, after exposure to her body and blood had sickened several hospital workers. Okay. She was rushed to a hospital suffering from the effects of cervical cancer. That's bad. The medical staff who attended her all began to feel ill and eventually fainted. Ooh. Huh? Uh, she's a mutant. Yeah. She belongs yeah. in the X-Men. Uh, Gloria's body exuded a garlicky and fruity smell, and her blood contained flecks of a strange substance like paper. What? Her blood contained flecks of a strange substance like paper. Like paper. Of those who handled Gloria's body or treated her, more women than men suffered from the ill effects, and everyone involved had normal results in blood tests. The health department issued a statement at the conclusion of their investigation, which said that those who'd become sick were, in fact, suffering from mass hysteria. Right. Gloria's case was the basis for a scene in the Erlen Meyer flask of the X-Files, an episode of Grey's Anatomy, an episode of Weird or What, the stink bomb segment of the anime Memories, and an episode of Law & Order. That, that toxic lady gets around. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, uh, she, uh, uh, I mean, it's a pretty compelling story that, you know, the, the mere presence of a sick person mm-hmm. could make somebody else sick, mm-hmm. but not in like a, you know, it, not everybody who touched her got cervical cancer. I do, I know. Like that, you know that. Then you'd be like, "Oh, it seems more like yeah, trend, uh, 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 contagious cancer." I'm not exactly sure what the symptoms of cervical cancer are, <clears throat> but it's relatively unlikely it would present in males. Is what you're saying? Maybe, mm-hmm. possibly. Um, I remember watching that episode of the Erlenmeyer Flask X Files, and uh, yeah, because the, there was this guy who had like alien DNA or something mm-hmm. in his body, and like when you when he got cut open or something, everyone in the area would like start coughing and and their eyes would water and stuff like that. Got it. He's got poisonous gas inside of him. Whoa! Speaking of poisonous gas, whoa! Mm-hmm. From the 1930s in Virginia and Illinois, uh huh, Illinois, the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. The mad gasser. He's not just a fart machine. He's not just a man who loves his beans. A Mrs. Huffman. Huffman. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you, <laughs> if, if you got if you got Huffman in the mad gasser, that's quite the combo. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Reported smelling an unusual odor and was overcome by a feeling of nausea. This happened again a half hour later, at which time Cal Huffman, Mr. Huffman, Cal Huffman and his dog Spot, contacted the police. A third attack occurred around 1 a.m., this time affecting the entire house. Okay. In total, eight members of the Huffman family were affected by the gas, along with a house guest. Their symptoms included headaches, nausea, facial swelling. Oh, are you sure they were just puffing their cheeks out? <laughs> Maybe. Trying to hold their breath? Yeah, just de- desperately trying to hold their breath because they thought they were being gassed. And constriction of the mouth and throat. The daughter of Cal Huffman suffered a more severe reaction to the gas. Her throat became so constricted that she stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. Wow. She also suffered convulsive fits for several weeks after the attack, though the physician recorded that he believed this was most likely due to anxiety brought on by the attack rather than the effects of uh, the gas or a gas. How ironic is it that, you know, somebody gets legitimately sick and it's actually your fear of getting sick yourself that causes you to get sick in the exact same way. Yeah, way to go, stupid brain. Mm -hmm. Two days later in Cloverdale, Clarence Hall, his wife, and their two children were returning from their uh, morning church service. They detected a strong, sweet odor in their house and immediately began to feel weak and nauseated. Police discovered a nail had been pulled from a rear window. Uh Uh-huh. Near where the gas appeared to be the most concentrated. Okay. Presumed that the nail hole had been used to inject it into the house. What year was this again? This is in the 1930s. Okay. 1933. Sounds like somebody's a a Sherlock Holmes fan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah, this tiny little hole here. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Um, So this hole is exactly where gas could be pumped in. I'm planting all these sharp pieces of ice. You may accidentally run into them. <laughs> right. And then no one will be able to figure out how it was done. Three days later, a Truckville resident A. Kelly and his mother reported similar signs and symptoms to the Huffman and Hall cases. Within a month, another 14 incidents were recorded in the region. Wow, they're just a bunch of gossip mongers. If that first family could have just kept their mouths shut, nobody else would have gotten sick if this was a case of mass hysteria. Authorities determined most to be a combination of hoaxes and worried residents reporting common odors as signs of an attack. Hmm. Right. Usually you'd be like, oh, smell of fresh bread. Mmm, tasty. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's that smell? Gas attack! I'm having, ra- I'm having the rashes. A, a bread gas attack. I'm having the nausea. Mm-hmm. The so puff- then... The puffy face. When the puffy face... <laughs> then we jump forward to 1994. Sorry. 
Then we jump forward to 1944 okay. in Mattoon, Illinois. Oh, uh, So same town. Uh, no, the first one was... You said Mattoon, Illinois. Did Haymaker I? Town. The first one was Haymaker Town. Oh, they made hay, all right. Haymaker Town in Virginia. Does that mean everybody who walks into that town just gets knocked out? Yeah, bam! <laughs> Welcome to Haymaker. <laughs> That's how it got named. Yeah. Two guys were like riding along on their horses. <laughs> you want to come, guy... come in our town? <laughs> no, no. Two guys. There was no town yet. Oh, okay. Two guys were riding along on their horses, yeah. and uh, and they get off. They get into some argument over whatever, you yeah. know. You know the beef jerky. Yeah, you or got who more gets, beans out of the can than who I gets did. to sit on the more comfortable saddle or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then the one guy says to the other guy, "Welcome to Haymaker Town," and he knocked him out. <laughs> and the guy woke up. He's like, "I'm in Haymaker. I I'm guess. not. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here." Last thing I remember was somebody saying, "I'm in Haymaker Town." So uh, here it is. I'm I'm the founder. Yeah. A second spate of mad gasser incidents occurred in Mattoon, Illinois, in August 1944, and mm-hmm. attacks attacks continued for several weeks. Urban Rafe was this person's name. That sounds like a name of somebody who's running from the law. Urban Rafe? Yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah, they, they broke out of jail. From the law. They broke out of jail, and then he was like, oh, I'm living in an urban environment. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be my first name. No, it's uh, his brother, Rural. Ah, uh, yes. Rural Rafe. Rural was and born urban. out in the city. That's, oh, that's kind of awesome, actually. If your name was Rural Rafe, that would be hard to pronounce. Rural Rafe. Say that three times rural fast. I'm just going to call you Rur. Yeah, you just sound like a growl. You just R R R R. Anyway, so. That's how the laughing disease started. No, that's how the laughing pirate plague started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Urban Rafe was awakened during the early hours of the morning by a strange odor. He felt nauseated and weak, suffered from a fit of vomiting. His wife awoke mm-hmm. and thought to check the pilot light of the gas stove, presuming it was the cause of her husband's sickness. Mm-hmm. But she was partially paralyzed, bah. Un- unable to leave her bed. Bah. Later that night, a similar incident was also reported by a young mother living close by. She was awakened by the sound of her daughter coughing, but found herself unable to leave her bed. Oh. This sounds like we should call this Joe's disease. <laughs> Your legs are paralyzed. Oh, I'm, yeah. oh, I'm able. I just <laughs> choose not to. I think, yeah. I think his mind is paralyzed more yeah. than his legs. <laughs> Mrs. Bert Kearney mm? reported smelling a strong, sweet odor around 11 p.m. She dismissed the smell. You know, all these are strong, sweet odors. Yes. Yeah. It's the sweet odor that causes mass hysteria and the bad odor that causes actual bad things. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, believing it to be from flowers outside the window, but the odor soon became stronger and she began to lose feeling in her legs. Mrs. Kearney panicked and her calls attracted her sister, who also noticed the odor and determined it was coming from the direction of the bedroom window, which was open at the time. Okay. Got it. So it only comes in through bedroom windows. And through nail holes. And through nail holes. And it makes people's legs not work while they're in bed. The police were contacted, but no evidence of a prowler was found. At around 12.30 a.m., Miss Kearney's husband returned home from taxi driving to find an unidentified man hiding close to one of the house's windows. Oh. The man fled, and Kearney was unable to catch him. Kearney's description of the prowler was of a tall man dressed in dark clothing wearing a tight-fitting cap. This description was reported to the local media and became the common description of the gasser throughout the Mattoon incident. After the attack, Mrs. Kearney reported suffering from a burning sensation on her lips and throat, which were attributed to the effects of the gas. Aha. You know what would have fixed this? A hand job for a lady. A hand job for ladies. Yeah, yeah, that would have gotten her, uh, you know, uh, hopefully kicking and screaming. I don't know. I was thinking maybe that's what was going on and this is all a cover. <laughs> uh, that guy outside the window was paralyzing me. <laughs> That's why we're in bed and together. The, my lips are all red because of mm, burning sensation. Got it. Got it. In the days following, there were a half dozen other similar attacks, although none of the purported victims were able to provide a clear description of the prowler. Uh-huh. The first specimen of physical evidence was found when Carl and Beulah Cordes Mm-hmm. Returned home one night. Beulah. 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 <laughs> That's her. That's uh-huh. her. Don't wear it out. They noticed a piece of white cloth, slightly larger than a man's handkerchief, sitting on their porch. Beulah. Mm-hmm. Giant's handkerchief. Picked it up. Uh-huh. Slight giant. Slight. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a regular big. Bare, m- barely huge. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, like almost under the Merely enormous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Beulah picked up the cloth and smelled it. As soon as she inhaled... 
She became violently ill. She described the effect as sim- being similar to an electric shock. Wow. Had she been shocked a bunch to that point? Maybe, yeah. Maybe that might be and an explanation. And became violently ill because yeah, of it. That might, be a, that might be something else that we might want to look into in her background. <laughs> her, face became, her face quickly began to swell. Oh. She experienced a burning sensation in her mouth and throat and began to vomit. And ironically, while her face was swollen, she couldn't talk. because she, yeah, she could only do this. I wish you guys could see what I can see right now. <laughs> she reported feeling weak and experienced partial paralysis of her legs. But she's like... <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, now you're doing it. Later that <laughs> spot on impression right there. Later that night, a Mrs. Burel reported seeing a stranger break in through her wait, bedroom wait. window. Hold on. Yeah. A, a Mrs. Burel? Burel. Oh. B-U-R-R-E-L. Burel, possibly. Burel? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Reported seeing a uh, stranger break in through her bedroom window wait, and then so, attempt to gas her. So this other oh, woman, someone was named Beulah. This woman's name Burrell. So maybe it's B-U-L names that are, uh, you know, the, the link here. What about Urban Rafe? There's a B uh, in there. That was male. Ur- urban. <laughs> Urb- urban. Right. Okay. Urburel. Yeah, there is a U and a B in there. Yep. This is true. obviously uh, a connection. Good, this is a, uh, an interesting hypothesis. Yep. It's uh, somebody is out there dropping, you know, uh, uh, ether-soaked rags at the homes of everybody who has U's and B's in their names. Yep. Yeah. Public concern over the alleged gassings quickly rose. The FBI became involved. Ah. And the local police. And the local police issued a statement calling on residents to avoid lingering in residential areas. That's always a good idea. Uh-huh. And warning that groups set up a, to patrol. Why does the for FBI? The why does the FBI care about what kind of underwear people are wearing? Uh, to avoid lingerie, uh, lingerie. To avoid lingerieing, lingerieing in uh, residential areas. Yeah, I don't know. That's strange. I don't know. Uh, maybe this is part of Joe's theory that there's a uh, prowler coming in windows and servicing the ladies. Mm-hmm. They warned the groups set up to patrol for the gas sir should be disbanded for reasons of public safety. Chief of Police Cole mm. also warned uh, concerned citizens to exercise due restraint when carrying or discharging firearms. Ah, don't just start shooting each other because you think someone's wearing a gas ma- a mad gasser outfit. Yeah, please. Within a week or so, local police had received so many false alarms that they reduced the priority afforded to gasser reports and announced that the entire incident was likely the result of of explainable occurrences exacerbated by public fears and a sign of the anxiety felt by women while local men were on war service. Uh Uh-huh. So basically, he should have issued a statement saying, all the ladies get in line for hand jobs. (laughs) All the ladies... Get in line for hand jobs. We'll, we'll handle this for you. Yeah, uh, but they had handle. a cloth, didn't they? Had handle. a cloth that she that she smelled. Yeah, handkerchief. And, uh, the handkerchief, the slightly larger, the the, the normal what's, handkerchief, what's slightly larger than the hand, the foot kerchief. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they've got a foot kerchief, <laughs> yeah. and and it made her react this way so much so that her face swelled up, swelled up, swollen. Swoldened got bigger. And swoldened. But we are talking about 1944, right? So there are kerchiefs around. People carry kerchiefs. No, but what I'm saying is they literally have evidence and it's got some kind of caustic chemical on it that you would think. Did they test this kerchief, the foot kerchief? That's what I'm wondering. No. I'm going to say no. There was no testing of the foot kerchief. So, yeah. The the sheriff smelled himself, had no ill effect, and that's why he told the ladies to go get handjobs. After the police announcement... Gasser reports declined. Aha. Uh-huh. The mad gasser, quote unquote, has never been caught. After the Mattoon attacks began, the local commissioner of public health stated, What voice should I do for the local commissioner of public health? Uh, so what, Chief you're saying, <clears throat> what you're saying is that the lady residents of Mattoon changed Mattoons. Changed Mattoons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Chief Wiggum sound like? Chief Wiggum. Sounds like Edward G. Robinson. He is. He's totally Edward G. Robinson. Uh, there is no doubt that a gas maniac exists and made a number of uh, attacks, but many of the reported attacks are nothing more than hysteria. Fear of the gas man is entirely out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas he is spraying. The whole town is sick with hysteria. See? Uh, see? Yeah, see? Yeah. 
Local chief of police Cole took Wright's hypothesis a step further, announcing that there had likely been no gas attacks at all. Mm-hmm. The reported incidents had probably been triggered by chemicals carried on the wind from nearby industrial facilities, mm-hmm. and then exacerbated by public panic. Right. So you smell. So you literally do smell a thing. Yeah. It is a chemical, but then your brain takes over. This is mm-hmm. the theory. The yeah. Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology published the Phantom Anesthetic Anesthetist an, Anesthetist uh-huh. of Mattoon, a field study of mass hysteria, which documented the Mattoon incident as a case study in mass hysteria. Got it. These are so hard to like. You're kind of proving a negative, right? You're trying to prove that there's nobody there. Yeah, and that's difficult. It's yeah, it's confusing. That is difficult. Well, try and prove that there isn't, you know, especially when you've got you've got a handkerchief or it's a like footkerchief. It's like proving there's no God. The mad gasser and God are basically the same person. Well, what you have uh-huh. to do is you have to keep looking and looking and looking and not find anything. Yeah. Which so we've what? been doing for 2,000 years Are you or saying more for God. the mad gasser was God? Yes. He came yes. down to earth and gassed Gas people? these ladies. Maybe that's how uh, Mary got pregnant with Jesus. Is, uh, he gassed her and knocked her out <laughs> yeah. and then had his way with her. <laughs> Leroy, New York. Leroy Jenkins. (laughs) 
I can't believe you're the one making that joke. No, uh, it's the only thing I know about uh, MMOs. Yeah. Nearly 20 students at a Western New York high school, almost all of them girls uh-huh. and mostly friends, began experiencing involuntary jerks and ticks. Yeah, as a girl, you have to put up with a lot of involuntary jerks. Mm-hmm. True. And uh, and ticks and like uh, ticks. Yeah, you know you have to. If you're sleeping and if you're out camping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they you need your partner to pick it off. That's why the friends are involved. Hey babe, why don't you stay in my sleeping bag? Mm. Oh god. Or if you carry around jerks a, and ticks, if you carry All around a dead moose. Uh huh. Sometimes their limbs, neck, or face would suddenly spasm. Other times they would twitch, grunt, or shout. So maybe they were just professional tennis players, like that Monica <laughs> Sellis lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These students were examined by school nurses and private doctors, mm-hmm. officials from the health department, and the CDC. Gotcha. None could find any biological basis for the symptoms. The school was thoroughly checked for mold, lead, carbon monoxide, and other environmental contaminants. All tests came back negative. Those results encompassing nearly 6,000 pages of data wow. from various air, soil, and water tests done in and around school grounds support con- the contention of physicians and school administrators that children in this rural community are not being poisoned by the air they breathe or the water they drink. How many more pages is that, do you think, than was uh, done in the Bhopal disaster <laughs> yeah. studies? I'll be like 5,999 yeah, something more like pages. That. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like, if you have 20 cases, that's 300 pages per person. Yeah, It's like one page for every day for a year almost. Yeah, This was the second study to examine environmental factors in the area. The first was conducted by the New York State Health Department, and it, it also found no environmental contaminants. Of course, they could have just used a really big font. You know, oh, yeah. pad up their page. That's true. <laughs> it's just like when you hang happy birthday and all yeah. the, each yeah. page is a different letter. Yeah, it's, Here's it's our like, report. No, it's like 24 points. Not <laughs> poison. <laughs> yeah. But here's here's the trick, right? You, you find out later their contract was they got paid by the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The repeated negative findings may come as an embarrassment to many who have insisted for months that some unknown contaminant must be to blame. For example, activist Aaron Brockovich repeatedly and publicly stated her belief that the symptoms were caused by environmental toxins, specifically an industrial cyanide spill in 1970. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Call back to our uh, to- uh, chemical, chemical accidents yeah. episode. There you go. There's little evidence that, the chemical c- that this chemical can cause the neurological symptoms seen in the students, and health officials rejected her claims. In January, Brockovich was accused of fear-mongering and publicity-seeking and ordered off the school grounds. Oh, wow. So she, she was on school yeah, grounds doing up. this? Just yelling at kids, you're being poisoned. <laughs> yes. I Sign this that. release. The students in the Leroy case have all the classic symptoms of a well-known but widely misunderstood problem called conversion disorder in which psychological symptoms are converted into physical conditions. Collectively, it is known as mass psychogenic sociogenic illness or mass hysteria. Those convinced that mass hysteria cannot be the answer will insist on more and more testing, though with each negative result, that is indeed more and more likely to be the answer. Whatever the cause, most of the students have completely recovered. Yeah. Got it. In order for this to not be mass hysteria, you have to start believing in bigger and bigger conspiracies to Mm -hmm. cover things up. And when all it really takes is a blood test by somebody who's not bought off. Especially because Aaron Brockovich has the power of Julia Roberts behind her. Yeah. You know, like, who could stand under that withering gaze? (laughs) I don't know. I think Aaron Brockovich probably has more power than uh, Julia Roberts these days. Mm. Aaron Brockovich herself. I don't know. Julia Roberts has a thousand-watt smile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's, that's, a lot of power. And that's it. Uh Uh-huh. In the pop culture. I watched the episode of House... Yes, House MD. Season 3, episode 18, entitled Airborne. I have always found that show tiresome and repetitive. Here's the funny thing. Uh, I really like House. A uh, big fan of, of most of the actors on the show and the setup and all that stuff. And then watching this after having not seen House since it went off the air, it really did feel like a just completely false setup uh, procedural that was almost... Making fun of itself. I like, like living yeah. in a house. I like having a roof over my yeah, head. Right. I don't care for House MD, the show. Okay. I even I, like Hugh Laurie. 
Yeah. And I still don't care for House. I just remember that in the first season, they had all of those, like when somebody was getting sick, you would go inside of their body yeah. and uh-huh. see all the cells and everything. Yeah, very and squishy right. things very, moving around. Very fantastic voyage style. They didn't do that on this one, but that's- they, I don't think they did that after the first season. They did, but only oh, okay. when he would explain, oh, this is what happened. But in this one, the there were a couple of things going on, but the main one was that House was on a plane where a guy got really sick, and everybody else in the plane started experiencing the same symptoms, so they were worried that there was some kind of gas or chemical that mm-hmm. had spilled out and that they were all going to die, or that it was, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember what the disease. Was it not hepatitis? Oh, uh, was, uh, mono, monococcus or something like that. Yeah, Menin- yeah. Meningio monococcus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something terrible. Uh, that Basically, <laughs> if they didn't turn the plane around right when they needed to, that they would all probably die before it landed where they right. needed to go. And of course, House says, no, that's not it. And then he gets lucky and is right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was the, so the whole plane was going through mass hysteria, except and again, for the one the, guy. It was the one, the zero patient yep. who had the symptoms, and then it was suggested by Cuddy, Cuddy or whatever her name his is, his boss, mm-hmm. that that this other that people were, more people were going to get sick, and some people overheard that, and so people started all getting yeah. sick, and including her. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but it was not. Uh, it just felt false and weird, and let's set up a weird thing for him to discover. It it kind of felt like. Uh, it was a house role-playing game adventure. Like somebody had created this, and now you have to figure it out, and it was just step by step. My favorite part was when he he was uh, going through the list of symptoms, or he he would just grab the, the plane phone, mm. okay. the chagrin of the uh, flight attendant. Right, yeah. And was like, here's, here's what's going to happen. If you have this and this and this, you have this disease. And one of the symptoms he just made up. Yeah, it was shaky. If your left hand starts to trembling, and in the and in the final stages, a tremor in the left hand, and everyone started, oh my, hand, oh my left God, hand, hand is it. shaking. And he was like, "Yeah, I made that part up." You mm-hmm. know what they could they should have called that episode was "Shakes on a Plane." Ah, yeah, Soren, that is wonderful. Woo! Moving on. Yeah, you want to talk about blindness, Kevin Leeson? I want to talk about uh, you know. The uh, the affliction of blindness, like whether uh, this is lesser of two evils. The two thousand eight movie, Julianne Moore, Mark Ruffalo, oh, Danny Glover. Yes, the uh, uh, the Don McKellar vehicle. Let's be honest here. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, he's in it, but it's not a Don McKellar. <laughs> That's vehicle. true. That's what he is in it. Yeah, I just uh, prefer to make everything a Don McKellar vehicle because I. So does Don McKellar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a, a, a Canadian-Brazilian co-production, interestingly enough. Right. Because uh, the writer is a Brazilian writer who is a bit of a hermit. Jose Saramago. Yeah, and evidently he'd been courted many times to turn his best-selling novel into a movie. Yeah, yeah, he kiss his butt, right? <laughs> and, uh, and it took uh, the Canadian producer to go down there and uh, hit him up in person for him to actually give him the book rights. So what happens Make in this movie? movie? Uh, basically, one guy start goes blind and then starts wandering around and telling everybody's blind, and then everybody else gets struck blind except uh, like uh, one lady, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, yeah, she isn't blind. She and, is the sighted leading the blind. Throughout. That's right. And so it's all about how society basically collapses, and uh, they they quarantine all these people who have been <laughs> struck blind mysteriously and without yeah. any sort of rationale behind it whatsoever, and they're all corralled and put into a prison. And uh, and how the whole thing right. kind of crumbles. Uh, it's and she a, pretends to be blind to all the blind. Like, yeah, because everyone. her family is put in there, so she pretends to be blind so that she gets put in there with them. Right, and then that she gets quarantined, and then she, you know, is the one non-blind person. So it's inside. kind of a superhero movie, right? She or, has a power that nobody else has. I guess you she put has it this that way. this sensory perception to see mm-hmm. the world around her in a way that nobody around her does. Yeah, and that gives her an advantage. Uh, it's like it's a pretty bleak uh, sort of you know take on it. It sounds you know? like that's it. probably why I gave it an eight out of ten. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It had the the appropriate amount of bleakness in movies. Oh, that, yeah. That you I like enjoy. you like the uh, the defecating. Oh, I like the road so much. You like the defecating just anywhere and yes. other blind people stepping in it yes. and then being disgusted and yes. yeah, because there was a lot of that going on. Because that's what blind people do. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you if you can't find the toilet and no one else can lead you to the toilet. Yeah, and I you can you've, figure it out. And you and you've been blind for like two and a half days as opposed to your whole life. Yeah, but I know what a house is. I know what doors yeah, are. Not... I know how big a bathroom is, and I know what porcelain feels like. All right, well, like this is. Look, I guess Joe's special. <laughs> yep. Uh, I actually, I had, 
I remember watching this and having mixed feelings about it because there were elements that I liked. Like I liked the characters, yep. right? Very believable. I liked the extreme situations. Uh, I thought some of them were, you know, like any of these things where society falls apart after like some little kind of tiny trigger. Mm-hmm. There's been a number of movies of this sort of thing. You always feel like, is that what would really happen yeah. if this one little thing happened? And it's sort of like, I always have that nagging doubt in the back of my mind that people sort of react in extreme situations to, in extremely poorly, right? You know, like, you're saying they would do it or they would not? No, do it. I don't necessarily believe that people do. I think people, right. as a general, in real life, people are people. So yeah, why should it be? You they, and I should get along so awfully. <laughs> they just like they like the media, and they like most people gravitate towards the center, and it, it doesn't even everyone was everyone was nasty in this movie. Yeah, everyone was nasty in this movie. Well, on that topic. Uh, the film has been strongly criticized by several organizations representing the blind community. Oh, there oh, you go. The president of the National Federation of the Blind said, The NFB condemns and deplores this film, which will do substantial harm to the blind of America and the world. Okay. And a press release from the American Council of the Blind said, It is quite obvious why blind people would be outraged over this movie. Blind people do not behave like uncivilized, animalized creatures. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, that's fair yeah. commentary. Whereas Jose Saramago has described his novel as allegory- allegorically depicting a blindness of rationality, he dismissed the protest, stating that stupidity doesn't choose between the blind and the non-blind. Yeah, I wonder why he's still right. why he's a hermit. <laughs> right, right. But <laughs> but like, wouldn't your response to "Oh my God, I and everybody else is blind" is we'd better all work together? Like to overcome whatever this and is. Like, a couple of people work together, but mostly they all work against right. each yeah. other. And that's incorrect. Like, yeah. I, I, it, it's it's a well-made movie, but there are some assumptions that I didn't buy into, which kind of undermines it a little bit. Yeah. Right? Snap your suspenders of disbelief makes you go, well, come on. And that kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. wrecks the rest of it. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, seen it. I guess the uh, you know National Federation of the Blind must be just happy that not that many people went and saw it. So, yeah, um, maybe. It was kind of a box office bomb. Especially not the blind people because they couldn't see. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question I know the answer to. Okay. How many people have seen the Portuguese teen soap opera Morangos com Açúcar? Oh, like in the strawberries world? with sugar? In the world or sitting around I, this I love table? I that show. Oh, you have seen it? No. Mm-hmm. But I love that show. Yes, the Strawberries with Sugar is the is the English translation. Okay. So in the 2006 episode of the popular Portuguese teen soap opera, a terrible disease was introduced to the school attended by the characters in the series. Okay. So this is basically the Portuguese... Uh, Saved by the Bell. Saved Save by the Bell or Degrassi. Degrassi, yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, very popular in Portuguese communities. Um, in May 2006, an outbreak of the Morangos com Açúcar virus was reported in Portuguese schools. Oh, so wait, there was an episode about a virus in yep. the school on TV, and then it actually broke out in real-life schools. 300 or more students at 14 schools reported similar symptoms to those experienced by the characters in a recent episode. These included rashes, difficulty breathing, and dizziness, forcing some schools to close. Wow. The Portuguese National Institute for Medical Emergency dismissed the illness as mass hysteria. It must so, have been very popular. So what other what other teen dramas could we have that would have a uh, an illness or even just anything that we should Well, well I caught I caught Baywatch fever and when I and I would run in slow motion <laughs> yes, constantly. There you go. Right? Uh-huh. So that didn't catch on. Huh? You were the only person who who did that. Oh, well, you know, I mean, uh I'm a one man fad, what can I say? I always just dreamed of being taken in by a rich white guy, but that's because I watch different strokes all the time. Got it. Got it. I don't it. know if that's a disease. Mm, uh, wish unfulfillment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I dress up like a woman, like in Bosom Buddies. Ah, yeah. Wow. That is the second time in two days that that old show has been uh, mentioned in front of me. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Not I enough love that times. show. I, that, was a, that was a fun sitcom back in the day. Uh, young young Tom Hanks. It's good insofar as we haven't watched it for twenty years. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> precisely. Oh. oh, I'm talking about old memories from uh-huh. back when I was an idiot for sure, yeah. or more of an idiot. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, "I hope I don't go crazy today." It's such a bad feeling, an 
Absolute feelings A feeling you know that We'll be back When the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you want to hear about We will Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while struggling in a crocodile death roll. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes, visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is not funny. Cloudy water, cloudy, <laughs> cloudy urine. Is that what it is? Right. Kind of looks like cloudy. Yeah, I'm urine. recycling. I'm recycling the booze I drank yesterday. His, oh, okay. uh, his own urine is eighty proof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we well, come in like a golden shower, transmute into a I bowl. I came in like a golden shower. <laughs>